Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 12th of December 2020. And the title of this episode is The Most Popular D&D Character Races and Names in 2020. What do you think the most popular names for D&D characters are? I know, Audio EXP often begins with a weird stat. Usually, the strange question and answers comes from a geek native competition. It's a bit different this time. I asked D&D Beyond, and they kindly provided the answers. D&D Beyond, simply put, must have one of the most extensive collection of actual character names out there. If anyone can answer this question, then it's them. Are you ready for the answer? I'll do the top five and do them in reverse order. In fifth place, Monk. Yes, I know, that's our character class, but it really is the fifth most popular name too. In fourth place, Ash. Yes, Ash, as in Pokemon or Armies of Darkness. Ash was actually the fifth most popular name when D&D Beyond last revealed these stats, so it's gaining in popularity. In third place, Cleric. Ah yes, another character class. Surely some mistake? Nope. Cleric was the 11th most popular name last year. In second place, Jack. And the most common name for D&D characters is Bob. That's at least two years in a row with Bob topping the charts. There's that famous scene in Blackadder where Gabriel Glaster's character is pretending to be a man and goes by the name Bob. They actually did that gag in Blackadder 2 and Blackadder goes forth. There's a less famous scene in Titan AE when the heroes name humanity's new home planet Bob. Those are my reasons why Bob might come up as comedic D&D names. But why is Bob the most popular D&D character's name in general? Well, you, you tell me because I, I'm at a loss. I have a second set of D&D Beyond stats to share with you this week. I also have the five most popular D&D races. Any guesses at what they're going to be? Well, once again, here they are and in reverse order. In fifth place, Half-Orc. In fourth place, Tiefling. In third place, Dragonborn. In the second place, Half-Elf. So, where does that leave us for the most popular character race in D&D? In the first place, Human. I'm reminded of a story from October this year. When Alarian Studios, the people who made Baldur's Gate 3, accused D&D players of making boring characters. The studio gave people the option to add demon eyes, horns and tails, and thought people would use it. As I said at the time, those features aren't appropriate for tieflings, but for other D&D races, not so much. If people are turning to Baldur's Gate 3 for traditional D&D experiences, then they're not going to randomly give their characters tails. Now, as it turns out, we're quite happy playing humans. I guess that's because we know how to do that, and DMs are happy to have them in their settings as a player race. If you are a DM and are running a high fantasy game with a legion of different races, then Humble Bundle's Monster Lore deal is worth looking at. The bundle contains lots of Pathfinder 1st edition monster books, and therefore hundreds of creatures. I know people have been buying them for easy D&D 5e conversions, and because many Pathfinder groups are still on the first edition. As it happens, if you're not running such a game, but you're tempted to, and you're wondering how to start, then there's good news. 
A whole group of publishers are backing New Games Master Month. This is an initiative with training and help sessions from very experienced GMs and DMs. Uh, the transcript of this podcast has the links you'll need, and you'll find a link to that in the show notes or by using Google to look for Audio EXP 74. I looked at an original RPG this week, straight out of Russia, and I think it makes for a memorable introduction to the hobby. It's called See You in Hell. It's an RPG inspired by computer games like Doom. So, clever character backgrounds, party politics, and emotional intelligence on display? No, not here. In this game, you play a macho warrior who kills enough monsters until their boss turns up. And that's it. Uh, Please note, I said memorable introduction to the hobby rather than a good one. But, hear me out, I think it might be a good introduction too. The mechanics are straightforward with fives and sixes on a d6 counting as good stuff and ones as bad. And players are encouraged to describe their ultraviolence because doing so increases their rage attribute. The more rage you have, the more minions you blast through. The company is Silverhoof Games and See You in Hell costs 10 bucks and is available from HEO. Another review I put up this week is for Drift of Dreams. Drift of Dreams is a graphic novel for the Swordsfall RPG. Swordsfall is an Afropunk game that's now been bought by Andrews McNeil, a fairly large American publisher who are pushing into the hobby. And Afropunk is a setting based on African mythology rather than European. I didn't learn terribly much more about Swordsfall from Drift of Dreams, but I enjoyed the graphic novel. In the game setting, when humans dream, they enter the tapestry, and you can think of that as a human-only dimension. At the start of Drift of Dreams, something alien and dangerous has invaded the tapestry, and so it's the human dreamweavers who have to protect the realm from the invader. Each chapter in the graphic novel is illustrated by someone else, and this gives the book a surreal and dreamlike quality. And I think that's entirely appropriate. Hats off to Brandon Nixon, the talent behind Swordsfall, as it's no small challenge to start by sharing your campaign world and then build it up to a commercial success. A commercial success of 2020 has to be RPG patrons though. They make it easy for fans to support their creators and for creators and publishers to offer a subscription model. This week, Handiwork Games launched Handy Monsters and it uses Patreon. John Hodgson already has a successful cartography patron. That was set up before Handiwork, I believe. Handiwork is the company he created after leaving Cubicle 7, where he was the creative mastermind. Handiwork Games already have the Scarred Lands Creature Collection under their belt, a supplement they kickstarted and illustrated for Onyx Path. So, Handy Monsters does what you'd expect. There are different tiers that determine how many fully illustrated, fully written up and fully statted 5e monsters you get a month, and it means a somewhat predictable revenue stream for Handiworks. And it means monsters that your players know nothing about if you're a GM in need of monsters. Predictable revenue streams are attractive. Crunchyroll has one since they offer both ad-supported anime and ad-free anime via subscription model. It's long been rumoured, but this week AT&T confirmed that Crunchyroll will be sold to Funimation. The price? $1.2 billion. And Funimation is Sony. In previous Audio EXP episodes, we discussed the rumour, we did some napkin math on the value of Crunchyroll and speculated who the likely purchasers could be. In this case, the podcast speculation got it exactly right. 
It's not all subscription models, though. The Virtual Tabletop Foundry is making waves by doing precisely the opposite. Roll20, Astral and Fantasy Grounds would all appreciate it if you bought a subscription license. Foundry sells software to you once. And this week, Pinnacle Entertainment's deal with Foundry means that Savage Worlds Adventure Edition is entirely free for the platform. You do, however, need to grab it from GitHub and install it yourself. That's not much of a technical barrier, but it is pretty daunting if you've never done it before. It's also very generous of Pinnacle, I think. And while we're talking about giveaways, there are a few days left on Geek Native's Call of Winter D&D Supplement Competition. There's also a brand new giveaway with the Fae and the Furious. If you do want to dive into the River of London setting, an RPG duo out from Chaosum and based on Ben Avronovich's novels, then this one is for you. The Fae and the Furious is a graphic novel and thanks to Titan Books, this particular prize ships to the UK and the US. Of course, at this time of year, it's maybe not all about what you can get. It's also about what you can give. The charity, RPG Research, could do with your help. It would be brilliant if you have warehouse space spare in Spokane, Washington. But if not, then there are loads of volunteer roles that they need to be filled. RPG Research uses RPGs to make the world a better place and does so in an impressively diverse number of ways. Back in 2018, they had 10 volunteers, and now they have nearly 150, but demand is outstripping their ability to supply GMs and assistants. Let's make job news the last story in this week's Audio XP. Dungeons & Dragons has a new senior designer. That designer is Amanda Hammond, who was a veteran of Starfinder and Cobalt Press. I'm sure Amanda will bring loads of talent to Wizards of the Coast. The debate, of course, is what does the appointment of a senior designer mean for D&D? What are Wizards planning? Perhaps the goal is just to ramp up production or apply more leadership to current projects. Amanda Hammond certainly has that. But perhaps Amanda is replacing a familiar name, someone who has left the company but we're yet to hear about it. Perhaps Amanda's appointment marks the start of a big new project or a significant change of direction hmm food for thought and let's wrap there keep safe stay out of melee range and see you next week